Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. It is finally that time of the year. It is the start of the NFL season. It is finally upon us. And I wanted to take a quick second to let you know about our friends over at MyBookie.ag, the safest and smartest place to place your bets for the upcoming season. Check them out at mybookie.ag and use our promo code HEADS to get 100% cash bonus on your deposit. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Back for another great episode. I am your host, Jeff Carrier, and by my side is Seth Lull. Seth, we have two weeks in the books. We're officially can start doing looking at some panic meters. It's still a little bit early in the season, but this is this is what we're going to try and do here is we're going to try and forecast and predict areas and players that we should be, you know, maybe reacting to in terms of how their productions already look so far. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a panic meter. But what what was your week 2 reaction? You know, week 1 didn't have a lot of scoring, a lot of quarterbacks, especially the high-end quarterbacks didn't have a very productive week 1. Um, what were your thoughts and takeaways from week two? Well, I don't think it was a great week of football, but I think it was much better than week one. There was clearly a lot more scoring and some of the higher scoring games, um, kind of lived up to their potential for the most part. You had the new Orleans, new England game, which was a shootout mostly on the new England side. We saw the Patriots bounce back. So that had a ton of scoring, especially early on. Um, the, the primetime game was solid. wasn't great, but much better than the primetime games last week. 34-23 to 23 Atlanta win. Um, Atlanta firing on all cylinders. And then just overall, there was a lot of close games. You had San Diego and Miami, or the Los Angeles Chargers, rather, in Miami, come down to the wire. The Chargers lost um, because they couldn't hit a field goal again. You had Seattle win a very close game at home against San Francisco, 12-9. to 9. The Washington Redskins, Rams were in a close game. Like A lot of close games overall. Um, so I think overall it was a good week, solid week, not a great week, much better than week one. Yeah. Although even though some of these, you know, kind of glorified or, you know, these high expectation matchups that you were describing with Atlanta, Green Bay, you have the New England, New Orleans game. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of, lot of scoring, but the game itself wasn't, you know, what everyone hoped for in terms of a tight matchup down to the wire. Um, and even some other games, um, with Sam Bradford being ruled out that kind of eliminated Pittsburgh on being a very interesting game. So there was still, while there was scoring, I guess this is going to be still an overall fairly disappointing game from an actual <clears throat> watching game NFL standpoint. Yep, you got to grade these games on a curve now. This is this is the NFL. It seems I don't know how long how long it's going to be like this, but even the the best games of the weekend still aren't great. You know, like I don't even know. 
there just aren't those games anymore where where someone asks you what was the best game of the day and you and you know off the top of your head right away oh it was this game like we just don't see those games very often and you know the, the high scoring games aren't that fun to watch and the close games really aren't that riveting because you know you have like Arizona and Indianapolis going to overtime nobody cares you have Carolina and Buffalo in a defensive struggle the entire game it's just none of these games are compelling so that's the problem with the NFL um and I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know if it has to do with not enough practice time, um, starters not playing enough in the preseason, um, injuries as part of it. But, you know, week two still, there wasn't, you know, a lot of these players were waiting to break out, like the Le'Veon Bells, the A.J. Greens. We just didn't see it. You know, Brandon Cooks, Terrell Pryor, you know, some of these players we're going to go over in our, um, you know, talking about the panic meter section. But just a lot of star players have not come out of their shell yet. And, you know, we don't we don't want to panic yet, but if you own some of these players, it's definitely getting to be the you know the point where you're starting to get a little worried. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I'm going back and catching up on some game film now. I was away all weekend at a music festival, and probably you know I went to go after some of the games are actually close right off the bat, watching on NFL Game Pass. And I thought I thought the the I thought the KC Philly game was pretty good, pretty solid. Um, but the Philly, the Philly Chargers game, uh, not the Philly, the, the Dolphins and Chargers was close, but wasn't that exciting of a game to, to watch kind of, kind of to your point, you know, sometimes they, they are close in terms of scoring, um, overall score, but it's not a really riveting game back and forth. So the, the quality of play has seemed to take another hit, at least in the first two weeks of the NFL season. Would you would you kind of agree with that so far? Would that be the kind of general consensus statement? Yep, absolutely agree. I think, like, one good example, I watched, I think probably the best game that I watched yesterday was, um, aside from, I think the Miami and the Chargers game, that, w- that was a legitimately solid game because it went down to the wire. Both teams were moving the ball. But I think the Denver-Dallas game, you know, you look at the score, 42-17, you think, oh, blowout. I thought that was a pretty solid game, actually. I think, you know, on the on the Denver side, you know, their offense was looked unstoppable the in, almost the entire game. And then on the Dallas side, you know, where maybe it's because it was it was kind of an upset, and they shut down Zeke. Um, Denver's defense does what they always do; they play really good defense. Um, I, I just thought that even though it was kind of a blowout, it didn't they didn't really break away until you know pretty much the middle of the third quarter. I thought that was a pretty solid game, and I think it was it was good to see. You know, is Denver going to be this good all season? And Dallas, you know, they, they have some weaknesses that were exploited on Sunday. So I thought that was an interesting game, despite the score. But totally agree with you. Not a, not a ton of games. Don't seem to be very well played, well officiated, all of that. Okay, now uh, let's kind of get into the the episode here. We've got a lot to cover, and uh, just like last week, there's just so many thoughts and takeaways from all of these teams and these games and. Uh, we could probably record a, a three-hour episode, Seth, kind of dissecting our kind of thoughts on how we're approaching so many of these players that either th- that have come out and surprised us or come out to pure expectation, good or bad. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and do a panic meter. It's only two weeks, but one of the things that we like to do is be very proactive. Let's go ahead and get our assessment on these players and how are we moving? Are we selling them? Are we buying them? You know, what's our panic meter? Um, I'm going to go over my my interesting stats of the week. I'm compiling information, grabbing off a PFF, um, fancy points per snap, other interesting things, usage. You know, last week I talked a little bit about 
uh, Chris Hogan's usage on inefficiency that he should be able to have a bounce back game. Ty Montgomery and a couple others. Uh, Going to go to that. We'll be looking at interesting stats. And, of course, waiver wire pickups for week three. Seth's waiver wire pickups. So let's kick it off, Seth, and let's get to the panic meter. Let's do it. You want to go first? We're going to go. Let's go back and forth. Um, I know you got five players. I have five players. And we are just going to go fire them off to each other. And we're going to give it a um, what should we do for the panic meter? Ten being all out panic or one yeah. being all out panic? Yeah, ten, yeah. Ten, ten, ten all out panic, I think. This whole one to ten thing, you know, really screws me up. It's, you know, I'm always backwards on it. So we'll do ten all out panic. One, I'm not worried at all. This player is going to come around. I'm starting him every single week. That whole thing. Okay, yes. Okay, so I'll go first here. Um, I've got a couple interesting ones, only in the sense that... So my first one is Marshawn Lynch. And I want to bring him up because where he was going in drafts, how much we talked about him. I've got a panic meter of seven. I, I think it could be higher, but I think one of the reasons why I have it... And I don't know, maybe, maybe to some people, seven is pretty high, but... Maybe one of the reasons why I don't have it higher is because, to me, this is kind of what we expected from Marshawn Lynch was he wasn't going to catch the ball, right? We called him a rich man's version of Mike Gillisley, except that Mike Gillisley is actually getting touchdowns. And Oakland likes to rotate in their backs. So he's not getting the full workload. He's only got 54 total snaps in two games. Uh, Jalen Richard got a touchdown. Cora Patterson, even, I believe you said he had a long touchdown run. So it's seven because this is, and, and he had a juicy matchup too on top of it, a juicy matchup. They were ahead almost all game. Um, and he couldn't really salt away the game that you would at least like to see in this type of matchup. So I've got seven. He's just going to be a very expensive double digit player. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for the same reason. I wasn't too high on him to begin the season. I don't have him on any of my fantasy leagues. I'm going to go five, four or five. I think if I did have him, I'd be looking to move him. You know, he had six, you know, six carries or no, 12, sorry, 12 carries on Sunday, 15 carries for the other three backs and Jalen Richard, um, DeAndre Washington and Cordero Patterson. So like you said, they're going to rotate, rotate the backs and he's not catching passes. I, I, I don't love him to begin with. Um, so you know, I'd say I'd say a four or five for me. Obviously, wasn't on to begin with. If I had him, I'm looking to move him. I'm looking to trade him to somebody who's, you know, in, intrigued by acquiring beast mode for their fantasy team. You know, just based off of the name. So, I yeah, four or five for me. All right, who's your first player for the panic meter? I got Lamar Miller. You know, this is a player that you and I were cautiously optimistic about going into the season. Yep, liked his <clears throat> liked his ADP usage. Yeah, I mean, we we were both we thought he was he was in for a bounce back season, and it just really hasn't turned out to be the case for for Lamar Miller. And it's weird because it's not like he's not getting the carries. Seventeen carries week one, eighteen carries week two. He has over eleven you know eleven fantasy points each week, so he's solid. But he's not catching the ball a ton. Only five total catches through the first two weeks of the season. Zero touchdowns, which is a trend that is carried over from last season. The the Houston offense, surprisingly, no no Brock Osweiler. They're not a whole lot better. And and now they're starting to work in Deontay Foreman, um, which is not a good sign for Lamar Miller because, you know, I, he would still be on this list for me even if Foreman didn't emerge as a factor 
in that backfield, which he did Thursday night against the Bengals. So, you know, I, Lamar Miller to me is a very low upside running back in fantasy that unfortunately you you spent a, a top three round pick on. So you're stuck with him. You're probably going to have trouble moving him. And you're most likely going to have to start him because he's getting double-digit fantasy points. But w- my panic meter for Lamar Miller right now is like a th- is like a I would say, you know, t- here we go. Give me the number one to ten. Ten being all-out panic. I'm going to go an eight. Just because yeah, you're I- not getting the upside, and it's apparent to me that he's not going to produce the upside at all. Yeah, and, and I don't know if necessarily bounce back was the way that I was thinking of it because his numbers last year were relatively decent. I think he was a middle-of-the-road RB2 that a lot of people kind of you know said that he was a bust because of where you had to draft him between 10th and 12th overall, somewhere around that range where now you're getting him in the, the late 20s. And so we're like, okay, if he could just do the same thing, we're happy getting an RB2 there. But so he's the third most total snaps for running backs. Great, as you mentioned. But he's he's extremely inefficient. Um, And then touchdowns aren't there. The whole offense is bad, um, which has a lot to do with this. It's the same thing that we talked about last year with Brock Osweiler. We, We said, surely they can't get any worse at quarterback. And I don't know if they've gotten any worse, but they most certainly haven't gotten any better. Deshaun Watson is is not helping right at least at this early stage of his career so i think uh i would agree i would definitely be what was your number you said eight eight yep i'll go seven right underneath you um i don't think you could probably move lamar miller no one probably wants him at this point i i I can't imagine dante foreman went from one rushing snap last week week one to 12 rushing snaps week two so not obviously the progression that you want to see um, and of course they were ahead this game versus week one against Jacksonville. So I would agree. There's definitely got to be some panic. We we thought at least with the volume, which is there more fancy points would be correlated to that. And it just hasn't been there. Okay. Who's your second player? My second player is Tyler Reifert. Um, and now as we record this, there's a little bit of uncertainty with Tyler Reifert in terms of his health, of course, he hasn't been very productive. Um, he's been actually healthy, and the whole offense as a whole, Seth, might be something that we could talk about. I think you probably have Dalton on your list. Someone in an offense that obviously we were pretty high on. So, you know, and I love to hear your take after the, after mine in terms of how you're going to approach Cincinnati. They fired their offensive coordinator. They're going to Bill Lazor. I feel like in these types of situations, now, don't ask me why the offensive coordinator already doesn't want to be utilizing his best players because that should be a given. But, you know, they sit John Ross after one fumble. The The difference is when you see coaching between, like a Marvin Lewis who sits John Ross, they need to win this game. They're losing. They sit him for the entire game. He's a playmaker. Whereas Kansas City on the road in New England, first carry Kareem Hunt, fumble the ball what do they do they stick them right back in there because they need their best players to win the game um and this is that would be a different discussion in terms of marvin lewis but this new offensive coordinator is going to want to have put his stamp on the offense he's going to potentially want a full-time offensive coordinator gig right that would be a promotion for him full-time so what better way to do that than actually utilizing your best players? That might be Joe Mixon. That might be Tyler Eifert if he's healthy. That might be keeping in John Ross. I don't know. So 
they had they played two pretty stingy defenses week one and week two. No excuses for not scoring a touchdown. Um, that's inexcusable. But if Tyler Eifert is out, and I guess this is part of why I put him on here, because he's got back and knee concerns. He's already questionable going into week three. If he's out, I am I am honestly just would drop him because I'm not going to roster two tight ends, especially for someone on an offense that hasn't scored a touchdown in two weeks. All right, so what's your number? <laughs> um, I, I think, um, man, I'm, I'm falling in love with this number seven here, but I'm going to go with the seven. I'm going to go nine um, just, just because he has a track record. I have a very, you know, he's, he's on a very short leash for me. I have him in just about every single league. Love the talent, only targeted twice on Thursday. I get the whole offensive coordinators. You know, there's a new coordinator in town in Cincinnati, which I think is promising, but I, I don't think Tyler Eifert can stay on the field. If he is, I think his talent intrigues me enough where I would want to hang on to him for a little bit, but it's looking like he's going to probably miss next week's game. Um, and who knows how, how long he'll be out for. It's Eifert. It could be a few weeks, so I'm going to go nine. Um, about as high up as you can go without being all-out panic. All my right. next player my next player is Terrell and, Pryor. And you want to know real quick, you want to know Tyler Eifert's point per snap? Okay, so every time he's oh, on I'm the- dying to know what his point per snap is. Well, if you thought Lamar Miller was inefficient, his was only a, a, about a quarter a, a, a point per snap, which is not terrible, but it's it's pretty low. Tyler Eifert's is point zero nine. So uh, you you and your like you and your your catchy your not, not catchy is not the right word your cool cool stat. It's like I know Tyler Eifert sucks. I have him in just about every league. <laughs> I don't I don't need to hear that stat to be like oh wow maybe I, maybe I should bench Tyler Eifert or maybe I should yeah um, Tyler Eifert's an absolute disaster, and if you own him, then you know exactly how I feel right now. Um, all right, Terrell Pryor. Now, this is a player that I, I, I've been all over the Washington offense. I love them, even with all the changes they made. Um, I thought they would turn it around, and I'm still not entirely worried about the, the Washington Redskins offense as a whole, but Terrell Pryor, two average, average games to start the season – you know, this is a guy that you probably had to get in the, the second or third round, probably the third round in fantasy. And we're we're just talking about absolutely mediocre performances to start the season on a team that, that doesn't really have an identity, that didn't even want to throw the ball yesterday at all. They're running it with Rob Kelly and Samaje P. Ryan. Um, you know, so six catches, 66, 66 yards week one, only two catches for 31 yards yesterday. The struggles continue. I don't know. I, I'm not going to put – I think this is going to be a little bit lower on the panic meter for me, even though it is on the panic meter. Now, even if you are a two on the panic meter, you're still on the panic meter. So there's still some panicking. I'm going to go I'm gonna go a five for Terrell Pryor because I still think he's a player. And this is the problem with some of these players in this list is because of where you drafted them, because of the potential that they still might have, because it's still early in the season – you're most likely going to have to start them for at least another week or two, which is the position I find myself in with Pryor in the leagues where I own him. I have to start him, but I'm really worried at this point. Can he deliver the upside that we thought was a potential with him um, in the Redskins? So for that for that reason, he's a five on the panic meter. He's about one week away from being a seven. Uh, five. My my number is a lot higher than yours. Mine is an eight. And I actually just went to check the draft grid to see if we had him in our four to six target range. And he actually, he wasn't, which is 
Um, I almost thought knowing you in the uh, love with the Washington offense, maybe he would have been in there. So that was actually a little bit of a <clears throat> sigh of relief that we didn't have him in that range. I think that one of the biggest reasons why my number is so much higher, being only two weeks, knowing that this offense does need to, to gel, has a lot to do with the fact that I just don't think he's the best actual wide receiver. He grades out very poor in pro football, fake, uh, pro football focus grade. Um, at a below average. He's a converted quarterback, as we've talked about. His last year in Cleveland was his first year. I don't think he's that great. We've seen him do have drops. There seem to be miscommunication, mental errors um, in Washington's offense. Doesn't help that... I mean, you would think, Kirk, at least with Jamison Crowder and Jordan Reed actually playing two games, and then even if Pryor was his third, that would be more than enough, but it hasn't been. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And um, he's playing a full allotment of snaps. Um volume I'd say is king so he has that going for him so maybe that's why it's not a 10 but for someone who's not on the greatest offense and not even playing the position well at wide receiver and he's being extremely inefficient um, I want no part of Terrell Pryor and I think you can sit him even if you do have him I think that you can go ahead and, and not drop him of course but I think there might be some other plays maybe dependent on matchup that you could feel a little bit more secure about going into the weekend and I would be okay sitting him for a week or two if you've got some other decent options yeah I think he's definitely he's definitely a borderline benchable player I think it's one week away from me I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt I so one saw performance from him, one terrible performance. I'm going to let him go one more week. Um, my third player is – now, we have our first 10 on the panic meter, by the way, right here with Isaiah Crowell. If I could put him higher than a 10, I would. I, if I have him, I, I think he's one week away from getting cut. You know, you this know, is what's, a guy what's who, funny is that we, we went over our players before, and I said we both had Crowell, so I'm – you know, you go ahead and you talk about him, and you said if you could put him higher than a ten, then you would. Well, why not? I, I put him as an eleven. That's, what, that's fine. I think it's <laughs> complete fair. He has two catches through two games, zero touchdowns, and this is a guy coming into the year we knew wasn't going to catch the ball a lot. But there was some people were thinking that he might that might be, you know, a trend we see going in the other direction. Maybe he starts catching more passes. Um, a little bit less Duke Johnson, um, and then at the very least, you know, he was he's going to get a lot of carries. Only 10 carries last week against Baltimore in a game that was fairly, you know, they're fairly in the game the entire time. Fairly in the game. I sound like you right now. Um, and zero touchdowns. Deshaun Kaiser had that one touchdown uh, in the first game, like a two-yard run that, you know, a lot of fantasy owners thought could have gone to Crowell. 
And the Browns are just a bad team. So I think it's pretty self-explanatory. If you have Crowell, you you have to they play Indy, so maybe you're rolling him out one time to see what he can do against one of the worst teams in the NFL. And if he puts up another dud, I think he's absolutely droppable. And even if he has an okay performance, I still think he has to be on a very, very tight leash. And I think in most leagues that I own Crowell, which is one, and in one league that I really wish I did own him, I think he has two weeks until I drop him. Yeah, Crowell is an absolutely panic meter to the max here. I mean, they're in the entire game against Pittsburgh for the most part. Gets 17 carries and only gets 33 yards. Are you kidding me? You can always look at the Baltimore game in Baltimore and be like, okay, that's just a really tough matchup. But he's not going to get the passes. We already knew that going into the season. Um, this is why I hate really bad offenses. This is why I despise. I don't care if you're the number one anything on bad offenses. And I, I wish I had also the tape of you know, when we talked about their quarterback situation, I don't know what would make their quarterback situation is worse than last year. I mean, Kaiser is horrendous. And Seth, last week after watching the Pittsburgh Cleveland game, people want to give Kaiser a lot of credit for apparently staying in that game. That was one of the most kind of fluky kind of games I've seen. They're going for on fourth down. They had some pass deflections that weren't intercepted. Uh, they had defensive pass interference, putting them at the one-yard line for Kaiser to run in for the touchdown. They had to throw for another four, fourth down touchdown. I mean, everything about that game screamed extremely non-repeatable. Like, it was just kind of more luck than anything else. Yep. I, I don't – I have zero faith in Kaiser. Um, and obviously, in this past game, he got pulled – for Hogan, so he he didn't play very well. I haven't been able to watch this game, and when I mean I haven't been able to, I mean I refuse to watch the Cleveland-Baltimore game. I, I don't think anyone should be able to be forced to watch that game, so I'm not going to. I think I I think I see everything I need to see in terms of reading the stat line, and on top of it, Isaiah Crowell plays Green Bay Week 14 and Baltimore again Week 15. So that those are your championship weeks. Those are your he's playoff. Play, he's, weeks. He's, play, he's playing NFL teams. For, 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 the, for the next 14 games, which is enough for me to put him at a 10. Yep. All right. My third player, Seth, is Russell Wilson. Um, here's one of my more bigger surprises. You know, I think the the Cincinnati surprises with Dalton is has been definitely eye-opening. Played some tough defenses. I want to I see how that works out one more week. But definitely, definitely some big question marks there. But Seattle, even I think even more so, just because of the the kind of regard, uh, the pedestal that everyone puts Russell Wilson on, and I get it, their offensive line is not the greatest, but they should be playing better than what they have been. Um, specifically, when they had this home game against San Francisco, to not score a touchdown for seven and a half quarters is inexcusable. I mean, completely inexcusable. Chris Carson's getting a lot more work. Maybe that can help them out. But Russell Wilson is not playing like the quarterback we know. I don't have him super high, but for someone of this caliber, I think this is high for being this early. And my number is five. I got him at a three. <clears throat> I'm not really surprised by the start for Russell Wilson, and I was really high on him. Going, I said before the season, I think he had a chance to be the, the number two fantasy quarterback this season. And we've seen Russell Wilson go through stretches like this. What bothers me is that he's healthy. He's had a cake matchup at home against San Fran. Week one, you could argue, even though Green Bay plays them pretty well, you know that's not a great defense either. 
You know, he's got a really good juicy matchup coming up week four against Indianapolis. He has to have a big game that week. Otherwise, my panic meter is going way up on him. He's got a pretty tough schedule when you look at it. He, he plays he plays in Los Angeles for the Rams week five, and then the bye week, week six. Then he plays in New York, as in the New York Giants, good defense there. Then he plays Houston week eight. I mean, there's not too many gimme games for, for Russell Wilson where you can look at it and say, okay, he he should put up you know three touchdowns over 200 yards. He's failed to have a 200-yard game yet, only one touchdown pass. So uh, I still believe in his talent. And he, he definitely turns it around last year, you know, with a similar start. I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go four. I'm not too worried if I if I have Russell Wilson, I, I'm still starting him every game. I think the good thing about Wilson is, for the most part, he's somewhat matchup proof and he doesn't have a ton of downside. But when you look at the schedule coming up for him. It's really going to test his upside, and I have him at a four. Oh, you went from a three to a four in the middle of just your just your conversation. Your you know, breakdown. Three, 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 four, somewhere somewhere in there, very low. All right, um, three point five. Thanks, thanks, thanks for keeping me honest over there, though. Uh, I have, have to. a little, little the fact checker. Someone has to, Seth. Someone has to. But you know, when you have someone of Russell Wilson, especially in say a one quarterback league or or even two quarterback league, you're getting him in a spot where. You don't want to be able to worry about the matchup. So yeah, maybe yeah. his matchups aren't the greatest, but you you don't want to have to worry about the schedule with someone like him with your investment in him. So yeah, he's got a cake matchup in terms of Indianapolis, but the San Francisco at home was alarming, and he should be able to at least with you know his ability with his legs, as you did say, like he should be to some degree matchup proof. With his legs, he should be able to score points, put up fantasy points, regardless of the matchup. If it's in Tennessee or if it's in yep. L.A., um, Washington, Arizona, what may you. So, um, all right. So we're cautious, cautiously, we're I guess, you know, keeping a closer, mistake. yeah, keeping a closer eye on Russell Wilson, not getting completely worried at this point. All right, my fourth player is Blau Powell, and I'm going to have him at a nine. For a panic meter. Now, not quite as high as Crowell, because I think Crowell is, I thought he was basically trash coming into the season. Um, but Blau Powell, it, I'm going to give him a little bit of time because I'm hoping the Jets are just going to completely abandon Matt Forte and give Blau Powell some more touches. But zero catches yesterday against Oakland in a game against a bad defense, and they were trailing the entire game. So there's no reason why you can't throw to Blau Powell. He's your pass-catching running back. Um, you know, he already doesn't get enough carries, right? Seven carries week one, six carries week two. And now he's not catching passes. Uh, nine for panic meter. I, I might hold on to him for another week or two. Um, but he's, he's definitely a player that I am ex- extremely worried about and looks like I was very, very wrong about. This one's really tough because this is like the exact opposite of kind of Lamar Miller to some degree where he's just not getting a lot of snaps. He's had 48 total snaps in two games. And I, I think that if they were able to u- utilize him a little bit more compared to Matt Forte's 62, uh, you know, maybe we should have not overlooked the fact that Matt Forte is still there. Um, because obviously Bly Powell was Bly Powell last year at the end of last year because he was the only person, the only person that Jet and and 
all these teams do this all the time. We always want to say, hey, he's more physically gifted. Look at Joe Mixon. Um, my next player is going to be a perfect example of this. Why are they still using this 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 old trash bag? You know, but this is what the NFL loves to do, especially these kind of older style coaches with the ground game and defense. And Matt Forte is a savvy veteran. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He could do a lot of the things that Bly Powell can do. So, and maybe he's not doing it a whole lot worse. We all just wanted Bly Powell to be kind of more of the guy. I'm a little bit less concerned than you. Uh, nine is really aggressive right now. I am not dropping him. You talked about him being borderline dropped. The reason I don't want to drop him is because I do know the upside. Um, Matt Forte may wear, may wear down. They may just, I can't say they're going to shut him down, but who knows? We saw what he did last year. I'm going to hold on to him. He's a running back. Uh, mine is actually only a five right now. Okay, interesting. Very, um, very, very low. But um, hey, I guess we. This is probably the first one that we really disagree on. Yeah, because I'm just I'm willing to hold on to him and and just give him a, sh- a couple more weeks for the Jets to actually open up their eyes and maybe utilize him a little bit more than than they have. And who knows? It could be wrong. It's NFL head coaches. I always predict these things incorrectly. So, um, which brings me to my next person, which is a very similar, I think situation, one that I was a little bit more, um, on the correct page with, at least at this stage of the season, only being two weeks. And that's Christian McCaffrey. Panic meter is, is probably only a three, but I need to, we need to start getting him on the rate on the radar. He, he grades out, um, as a 63, grade on pff i mean he's ninth in snaps for running back so he's actually getting a lot of snaps but he's grading out poorly and obviously jonathan stewart's still there and carolina as predicted you know is not necessarily used utilizing him utilizing him as this great slot wide receiver he's catching his four plus passes a game but i mean that's not going to be all-world, you know, fancy player that everyone was hoping for. So I think as long as Jonathan Stewart is healthy and alive, they're going to continue utilizing him. Um, and maybe I have him as a three, kind of similar to Marshawn Lynch, where like, hey, this is not a big surprise to me. He's still getting a ton of snaps. I'm not going to overreact. I'm going to keep him on my team, hoping that Jonathan Stewart gets hurt, as he does most years. But let's remember, the last two years, Jonathan Stewart has played 13 games each of the last two years. So this might be a long season for Christian McCaffrey owners. Yeah, I'm going to have him at a six. Just be, or no, not a six, sorry. Just keep doing this. I'm going to have him at a three, just because I wasn't very high on him coming into the season. He's a rookie. And... Um, I, I still do think, though, that if, if I did, if I was a believer in Christian McCaffrey and I have him on my team, I'm going to hold on to him because he is a rookie. And I want to see if they can start using him more, using him more effectively as the season goes on. Um, he's still hovering around double digits for fantasy points. Um, and he does have upside. So although he's not getting the catches and making the big plays that we anticipated him making or having the potential to make, I'm still holding on to him. So I, I'm going to have him. You know, pretty low compared uh, to you, but I think he's there's a lot of a lot of games left. No, I have I him at a three. You have him at a six. You would have him higher than me. 
Is that what you said? No, I said I said I said six first, and then I changed it. Oh, so okay. change it to. So I guess we're 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 the same. I have him at a three. Yeah, and, I'm, all, I'm all I'm all over the place with these numbers. You think you think we can make it as easy as possible, and somehow it's still too confusing for me. Uh, I keep so three. Three as okay. in as in I'm not worried mainly because I don't have money in my teams. I wasn't a similar to the Marshawn Lynch, right? We don't. I wasn't a big believer in him going into the season. Um, if I was and did have him on my team, his start to the season doesn't spook me that much. He's a rookie. Yeah, and I think the the bigger thing here with Christian McCaffrey is that he does he is ninth in running back snaps, so he's in the top ten for running back snaps. So he's getting a decent workload in terms of at least being on the field. Um, but in, until they start utilizing him in the goal line in the red zone, it's kind of tough for him to be very productive. Um, and Seth, my my last player I have is Larry Fitzgerald. Um, someone that was, you know, and this, I bring this up a lot, 30 year olds, man, I hate 30 year olds, but you know, there are always going to be those few that I've, I, I can, you know, I'm willing to buy into for another year, you know, uh, Jordy and Fitzgerald were two of them and Fitzgerald, that whole offense looks done. My panic meter is all the way at 10. Yeah, that, that's that's too high for me because it is Fitzgerald, and as bad as the offense is, it's only a couple games. He has a good enough track record, where which I think earns him at least the benefit of the doubt at this point. I'm going to go down to a four for Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he just doesn't have a ton of upside in general. He wasn't somebody that you took, you know, in the first five rounds. You know, he has very very low upside, terrible offense. To me, I look at Larry Fitzgerald as one of your last flex players, or maybe a, a you know one of your better bench players for depth. Um, so if I had him in my league, I wouldn't be asking him to be my number one or two wide receiver. So I, I have him to have him pretty low. But you know, again, like a lot of players so far this fantasy season, he's definitely disappointed, and he's he is he is on our panic meter for a reason. And I think he's at least a couple games, two or three games away from me getting up to where you are i'm going to give him a little bit more time well fourth and wide receiver snaps um inefficient um bad pff grade bad offense doesn't get touchdowns i'm at a 10 who's your my last yeah who's your last last player is uh is is dante moncrief i i I have him at a 10 i mean let's let's be serious it's dante moncrief i I, you know if andrew luck was playing he'd probably at least be at a five panic meter and there's no Andrew Luck. We don't know when Andrew Luck is going to return. There isn't one Colts player that's startable right now besides maybe Jack Doyle with the rapport that he has developed over one game with Jacoby Brissett. But, you know, T.Y. Hilton, you really can't start him either. Um, Dante Moncrief, for me, was a, a borderline draftable player going into the season. And based on his performance and the state of the Colts offense, I have him at 10. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree. I'm I, kind of surprised that you have him on here, o- almost in the sense that I never even think of Moncrief. As, I know, as, it, goes without, it goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, as being a fantasy player. But he was getting drafted at a reasonable price tag. I mean, I kind of forget what that was because we never talked about him. But, I mean, on top of, obviously, no Andrew Luck, he he was, yeah, he's he's droppable, right? You, I, I don't want him on my team right now. Yep, I would I would maybe spend a few more days trying to get as much information on Andrew Luck. If you think Andrew Luck's going to play soon, maybe hold on to him. But if, if there's anybody on free agents that you can pick up that's better, or if you you have some injuries, I would feel very I'd be very fine just dropping Dante Moncrief. 
no issues there at all. All right, and those are our panic meter players. Alright Seth, now let's go ahead and get to some interesting stats that I wanted to pull out and kind of go over. So again, just like last week, I've got some interesting stats. Um, I'll kind of spit them off to you and you kind of give me your feedback, your thoughts on them. Uh, the first thing, maybe maybe the most impressive stat, um, maybe on the most impressive fantasy player to start off the 2017 season, that is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt right now is averaging .99 points per snap. So he is averaging literally a point every single time he is on the field for a snap. How crazy is that? So if, you, if you're a Kareem Hunt owner, um, or if you have to play him, uh, which, you know, that would be miserable, obviously, Every time you see him on the field, be like, point. Oh, here's another point. Point. So he has the highest number in terms of positional players for that. That's pretty crazy. If he plays like 50 snaps, potentially, you know, 46, 47 fantasy points right there. So that's pretty impressive. Um, he's super efficient, and it just speaks to how, how versatile he is. And he's got you know a lot of big playability. So, yep, I have him in one league, which I have him in every league. Absolutely. Um, all right, so the next one is on Tariq Cohen. He has 20 targets in two games. So, I mean, I think I, I put this down because I know that he came out as kind of Game Busters week one. But as we've kind of mentioned, Seth, he, he's essentially there arguably – I guess he is probably their top receiver. So he is a kind of PPR receiver that you get to use in your flex. So he's probably not really valuable in standard leagues, but for PPR leagues, he comes with now 20 targets in two games. Yeah, they got to throw the they got to throw to somebody in Chicago. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With, with all the injuries they've had at the wide receiver position, and now Jordan Howard was banged up with a shoulder injury, he's had a pretty slow start to the season. So Tariq Cohen, I, he's one of those players where I just don't really, look, really pay attention to you know his position. You know He's a running back who doesn't get a lot of carries. Great. Who cares? He's very involved in the passing game, and he's going to contribute. Um, similar to, to Kareem Hunt on a much lesser scale, obviously. He doesn't get the carries. But, yeah, high volume. The Bears are going to be behind every single game. 
And when they get behind, it's going to be a heavy dose of Tree Cohen and uh, Zach Miller, who we'll talk about in the, the waiver wire section. Okay. Um, now, the next player I have is James White, a player that we talked a lot about last week and that we liked. We told people to pick him up, told people to play him. Uh, it seemed to come to fruition, had a nice game last week. James White is seventh in for with running backs in receiving snaps. So I know I'm getting a little specific here, but James White is a basically a receiving uh, back, just like Tariq Cohen. So obviously the more snaps that he can have uh, in, in passing, the better for him. And literally the only people really above James White in this specific category are kind of your 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 Ty Montgomery's Ezekiel Elliott or people that are just aren't very reliable. So he's kind of the probably still the the cheapest one to get if you could still get him in a PPR league if you still have like an opening at your RB two spot. Um, so seventh in terms of the most snaps as a receiver for the running back position. Yeah, and the more you watch James White play, the more frustrated you get at this this running back by committee offense in new england you know as long as they're all healthy and rex burkhead left with an injury but he's going to be involved mike gillisley is going to get probably 10 to 12 carries a game he's gonna be the goal line back and then they're going to bring Deion lewis in for a few snaps and it's just frustrating because if, if james white was the guy and got the amount of snaps that you know a kareem hunt got or a Le'Veon bell got or you know one of those big name running backs he has the potential to be a top a five six fantasy running back he's he's just that explosive He's that involved in the passing game, which your stat alludes to. And it's just frustrating because it doesn't seem like he's ever going to get the opportunities and the volume to become that fantasy monster that he could be. And he definitely looks, and you watch the New England games, he looks like the best running back. He can run too, he can catch. And I know you know you and I talk about this all the time, so we won't spend any time talking about it here, but it's just frustrating when you know teams you know put in all these different running backs and they don't focus on their their best back but yeah james white is a stud and i couldn't believe we we, uh 100 ownership in fantasy he's owned in 100 of espn leagues is is that correct i believe that was correct when when we were looking at potential um pickups and such uh I have it pulled up here actually right now in front of me and it says 100%. So it must be where, you know, he was clearly high enough on rankings and even all the automated drafts on ESPN or he got scooped up and there was no real reason to, to drop him. So surprises me, but still a high it, number. It, it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Still a very high number. Uh, next, Seth, is who leads the NFL with the most drops? Wide receiver. Um, wide receiver with. Give me. Give me a, give me any any clues here. Give me actually, you know what? I'm gonna say Des Bryant. Uh, nope, it is Amari Cooper with five. Interesting. Yeah, five, okay. five this early. I mean, there's. I'm, I mean, Amari Cooper's making it just too easy for us. I mean, we've we've been we've been hating on him for like two years, and it's he's just like, you know, he's just like spoon feeding. Spoon spoon feeding this stuff. This is a Jeffism, right? Probably. But he's just making this too easy for us to hate on him. I mean, lean league and drops after two weeks. And, you know, Crabtree has a three touchdown game. So we couldn't be looking any smarter with, with, with those two. But 
Definitely helped out a lot of people there. I mean, I don't hate Amari Cooper as much as you do. I mean, I definitely fade him more than the usual crowd, but um, I I was still surprised there. I think I think that five could have came when he dropped like three touchdowns week one on the you, goal line. Do you, you say you, you fade him? Yeah, using the using the daily lingo. <laughs> Can you say you have to running a nine route? <laughs> um, all right, we'll keep moving along. I mean, that's a pretty pretty simple one. I I don't I, don't, I wouldn't want to read too much into that, but I did find that interesting. Um, here's another another decent one here. JJ Nelson is the third most efficient wide receiver in point per snap, yeah. and. He went from 25 snaps in route in week one to 35 in week two. So we have someone who is efficient when they are obviously on when they're on the field, which sometimes can be a deceiving stat. If they only are on the field 10 times and they get fed the ball five, then that number is going to be kind of skewed. But JJ Nelson went from 25 to 35, so he's increasing his workload. If he's efficient while he's on the field and they keep giving him more opportunities, well, what what could this lead to? Well, he might be a really decent waiver pickup. I don't know if he's on your list, Seth, or not. But basically, should we be buying him or should we not? I would say that these stats are saying that you know there might be a you know out with the old in terms of Larry Fitzgerald and in with the new and JJ Nelson. Yep, he he may or may not be on my my waiver pickups. So I'm just gonna you know leave that. Um, oh, as such, a, such suspense. Just gonna tease it a little bit. Yeah, no, the suspense is just building here. Um, but I, I will say that I'm not reading too much into to one performance, one game, or even two games from JJ Nelson. That offense is so bad. I do expect Fitzgerald to be better. Um, and they're gonna struggle every single game. They just played Indy. So hold your horses. Well, I mean, five catches and a touchdown in each game. I mean, this is a great player that is is owned in only 18% of leagues to pick up off waivers. They don't have really anyone else to throw to besides Fitzgerald. Maybe maybe Fitzgerald does come back a little bit more to life, but, I mean, usually this offense can support more than one passing option. Um, option. Especially with David Johnson out, I think this is a great pick, uh, a potential player that is maybe coming into his own. Um, and as bad as that offense is playing, they're likely going to be playing from behind a lot. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see the next one here. You're going to hate this stat. I just, I barely like it myself, but I just, I just want to, if you barely like it, then I'm really going to hate it. (laughs) Uh, Martellus Bennett and Jason Wynn have the most snaps and route at tight end. You know, that's actually not, that's not a terrible stat because, <clears throat> number one, Jason Wynn has had, and again, he may or may not be in my waiver waiver uh, pickup segment. We'll just, you know, leave this, continue, have the suspense continue to build on that one. Um, but Witten's had back-to-back really, really good games. Um, and it just seems that the Cowboys monster offense... Monster games. I mean, just complete it, monster exactly. games. Exactly. Like, we always say he's, he's going to have one monster game a year. Well, he started the season with two monster games. And he is the most reliable... Um, probably the best option in the passing game to this point. Um, so, and then you watch the Green Bay Atlanta game on prime time last night, and I know Martellus Bennett, his line didn't blow you away, but they really tried to get him the ball in the first half. He had like two or three drops, like really bad drops, and there was just a concerted effort to really get Martellus Bennett the ball. Aaron Rodgers was looking to him frequently. So, you know, he doesn't have a ton of upside. Um, I think he's still going to be somewhat touchdown dependent. And and 
I never am a big fan of Green Bay tight ends. But I do think when you, when you say that stat, it makes sense when you watch the games. It seems like he's always involved. So I still don't like him, but, you know, I think he, he'll at least his usage is, is right where you'd want it to be. Yeah, and obviously the big difference between these two is in that one of the reasons why I like the stat was how much of a difference both of their first two games of the season has started. Jason Witten has had two monster games. He's been very efficient while on the field, whereas Martellus Bennett has not been. So, you know, is there like a little bit more of a, you know, regression to the mean in terms of Jason Witten having uh, coming back a little bit? And then if Martellus Bennett is really on the field that that much then you would have to think in the Aaron Rodgers offense and he's going to have to start clicking um, especially with kind of the the red zone opportunities that he should be getting so maybe he's got some upcoming games and there's a potential that he gets dropped in a lot of leagues as well I don't know Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers never really been good or consistent with their tight ends but I also don't know if any of their tight ends have ever you know led the league in snaps and route as well because usually they're mix and matching two three different tight ends yeah I I mean I, I'm just not a big fan of Martellus Bennett I mean I, I just you, you watch the games yeah they throw to him a lot but he, he has very little ability after the catch he's not very quick he, only three catches week one five catches on Sunday night he's just I, I think he's borderline ownable you know if he, I don't I don't think he'll finish the year as a top 10 tight end so the stat makes it sound I think better than it is because you watch the games and he just doesn't blow you away but there are a lot of injuries to the, t- the tight end position so Yep. You know, you might be in a position where you might have to start Martellus Bennett and at the very least. You know, if, if that's your, your worst position on your team and you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, that's not a terrible stat to have in, going in your favor. Okay, now my next two are, um, well, the first one here I have is definitely really low, really underneath the radar. But I wanted to just bring it up. Maybe people are in like, you know, really deep leagues, 14-man leagues, really having trouble finding play, players on the waiver wire, playmakers. Um, maybe you're in a dynasty league. I don't know. Uh, Gerald Everett, you've heard me talk about him a few times, Seth. Uh, mm-hmm. in the, in a few too pre- many. A few uh, times too many. Well, you know, I, I think I'm. I think I was pretty, pretty, pretty spot on. I know he hasn't done a lot, but week one he had one catch for 39 yards. Week two he had three for 95. He's a dynamic player. Sean McVay's using him in that Jordan Reed type of role. We got to remember that he's a rookie. They do have some other younger tight ends there as well. Uh, he's increasing his. He's only had 44 total snaps. He's only had four targets. Um, but in terms of points per snap, he's the second best at tight end. Again. I'm, what I'm looking at is I'm trying to forecast if they're on the field, are they efficient? He is extremely efficient while he's on the field. What he needs is is more opportunity and more snaps. So maybe he gets more of that as the season comes along. So just someone to kind of keep an eye on. Probably still a little too early. Uh, but last week, 3 for 95 is is already almost starter worthy if, if he can keep up that type of production and deep playability. So I'm just throwing it out there, getting ahead of the curve here, hopefully. Yep, especially for dynasty leagues. You know, good player for if you're in a dynasty league. You know, it always takes at least one year for tight ends to really find, you know, come to their own. And he definitely showed us. He had, I think he had one big catch yesterday that accounted for most of the 95 yards. But he's got that big playability. So will you be able to start him this year with, you know, and, and – 
be confident that he can, you know, have have a somewhat high enough floor and not kill you in a week? Probably not. He's always going to be a risky play because he he gets such few snaps, but he's demonstrated the upside and that bodes well for, you know, his potential moving forward in years to come. And my next one is my week my week three or, you know, upcoming week trade target. Last week, I talked about Ty Montgomery. I said, whoa, this guy was on the field at all times. Do whatever you can to get him on your team. So I think each week, Seth, as I do my weekly interesting stats, I'm going to throw out a potential trade target, at least for the first eight to ten weeks, you know, depending on where trade deadlines are. Uh, this one I'm going to go, last week might have been, I wouldn't say super obvious. You know, not everyone's buying into him as much as I was, but he was definitely a popular person. Um, a lot of people were talking about how he had the most snaps at running back. So that was easy to kind of conclude Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, most snaps at running back, someone you want to have on your team. And so it's a little bit underneath the radar. And it is, let's see what stats I have here for him. He has one more target. And two more catches than Julio Jones. They each have zero touchdowns. And both Julio and this guy are both ranked as number two and number three overall graded wide receiver. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, tough to, it's tough to really kind of come up with a guess or conclusion off of that kind of vagueness. But it's actually Julio's teammate, Mohamed Sanu. I mean, he's never really been overly involved in the offense, but he's he's being involved enough into the offense. He's grading out very well, uh, so it means he's playing the position quite well. Atlanta is going to continue to pass the ball around, and they have such a balanced offense that they don't need to force feed any single one person. They're not going to do that. That would harm their harm their team, anyways. He had five catches the first two games, uh, six and five, should I say? Just over double digit, nothing spectacular, you know, no touchdowns. I think the touchdowns will come. So it's a little bit underneath the radar, nothing spectacular. Uh, might even be a waiver wire candidate player too, to be honest. But he may or may, may he may or may not have made my list. <laughs> okay, uh, but what what are your thoughts? I guess with uh, Muhammad Sanu. I mean, he definitely burned me last year because I know we, me and you were both really high on him going into last season as he made the move over to Atlanta and was the number two receiver. Had a very down season. I mean, double-digit fantasy points through through each of the first two weeks. So I think he's really solid. Yep. Uh, same exact amount of snaps as Julio Jones. I just, I just feel like you have someone who's in an offense that's really good who – is on the field a lot, who's getting some targets. Granted, he hasn't had big monster games, but sometimes, you know, you try and get these people before they do. So that concludes, Seth, my week two interesting stats. And uh, no, that was that was that was an exciting segment, let me tell you. <laughs> well, for us, for us analytical and stat people, I'm, you know, I'm probably hitting home with them. So hopefully, hopefully. Yep. Uh, but before we go ahead and get to your waiver wire pickup set for week three, let's go ahead and thank our sponsors. Yeah, let's give a big thanks to Draft the App. Now, Jeff, we talk about this all the time. We love doing drafts. We can't help it. We love doing drafts. And, you know, once September begins, the season begins, you know, most people think, oh, drafts are over. We got to wait till next year. Well, nope. You, can, you always have the next week. Every single week is a new week to do a draft. And that's why we recommend Draft the App if you love daily fantasy, but you also want to do snake drafts with your buddies. 
It is the place to go. Jeff, we did one the other week, and you beat me. Um, looks like I'm going to beat you this week. So we are 1-1 are one one to start the season. we got the rubber match uh, next week. Yep, can't wait for it. And so download Draft the app on your favorite uh, app store and use our promo code Talking Heads for a free entry when your first deposit. And that is Draft the app, our promo code Talking Heads. And we also want to thank mybookie.ag. Uh, Seth and I, when you kind of get into doing fantasy and football and NFL, it's really hard not to at least place a couple a couple bets. Seth, you love to place your your three game parlays. You always try and bug me about well, what do you, what do you think about this parlay over here? And um, you win some, you lose some. But you know the very interesting week in football this past weekend. I mean, it was pretty much straight chalk. There's not really many upsets. So that was a good week for the betters out there. And if you're looking for a place to, to place your bets, Seth and I only use mybookie.ag. You can use our promo code HEADS, H-E-A-D-S, to get a 100% cash bonus on your first deposit. Uh, they have an all-new mobile site that makes wagering extremely easy and a simple breeze. So go ahead to mybookie.ag and use our promo code HEADS. All right, Seth, time for the waiver wire pickups for week three. We're heading to week three here. Hopefully no one is 0-2 listening to the show. If so, you're probably going to start getting a little bit more aggressive in the trade market, a little bit more aggressive on the waiver wire. I don't think there's as many good people after week one as there is this week but let's go ahead and jump into your waiver wire pickups yep so we're gonna start with wide receivers i got three wide receivers three running backs and two tight ends as well as one streaming defense for people to pick up off the waiver wires and play for week three so let's start with the wide receivers first off jj nelson we just talked about him now i'm i'm somewhat skeptical on overall on on Arizona as an offense and J.J. Nelson. But when when you look at the waiver wire and you talk about waiver wire pickups, these aren't perfect options because they're on the waivers for a reason. So you got to roll the dice. They're by no means a sure thing. But J.J. Nelson, back-to-back big games with a touchdown. They need to throw to somebody. Larry Fitzgerald is a, is a shell of himself himself so far this season. No David Johnson. They're going to have to manufacture – um, uh, offense and have someone to make plays for them. So JJ Nelson is first up on uh, my waiver wire pickups. So I think he's a solid, probably the number one overall option um, this week. I'm assuming you concur. Yeah, I believe so. I don't know who else is on your list here, but you know, and, and we we kind of pulled this information separately in terms of my stats and your waiver wire. So I think that kind of worked out pretty well that I had a good stat for JJ Nelson. Um, unfortunately in one of my leagues, I dropped him, you know, heading into week two, he, even though he had a good week one, he really no reason to drop him, but I was, you know, trying to get a little aggressive and some moves and backing up certain positions in a, in a two quarterback league. And, and for, for the same reasons that you mentioned, Seth, it's, it's been hard to really 
believe and buy into these other receivers not named Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona but hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's, it's, I don't know if J.J. Nelson's really been that type of person that has really let us down. It feels like it's been more of the whole John Brown hype over the last couple of years. So here comes J.J. Nelson, another, you know, fast wide receiver, you know, almost you kind of think of him as a one-trick pony. I'm not saying he is. I'm just you, you kind of hear of this fast guy in Arizona, deep passing, Bruce Arians, and uh, but he's come to fruition. He's 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 cashed in two weeks in a row here. Um, his numbers look promising. So I would say that you you got to take a shot at him. I wouldn't spend too much money on him like Tariq Cohen last week, just because I do feel like with these kind of positional flex players that are going to be kind of popping up week in week out I think he's going to be a lot closer to you know a very 10 to 15 point type of player and you don't really want to spend a whole lot of money on a player like that because most weeks you would think that you can catch get someone to catch you you know five for 60 um, or, or four for 70 or something along those lines to get you close to that number so don't waste a lot of don't waste a lot on your fab budget Yep, and to put it in perspective too, Jaden Nelson is probably the top pickup this week. But if him and Terry Cohen were both available, and I could pick one, I'd still take Cohen. I, I don't even think it's too close. I think Cohen is still clearly the superior um, pickup, but he's he's owned um, by probably most people, and probably in most leagues at this point, anyways. Um, but Jaden Nelson, number one, um, number two, it, completely opposite type of fantasy receiver, Marquise Lee in Jacksonville. No Allen Robinson. He's gone for the year. It's just Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns from here on out. 12 targets for Marquise Lee on Sunday. And this is who he is. He The biggest question with Marquise Lee is always, can he stay healthy? As long as he's healthy, he is a, a high-floor player who has the potential to be a PPR machine. And now I don't want to overstate that. You know, Maybe machine is a little too strong of a, of a word to be putting in the same sentence with Marquise Lee. A little but aggressive. This is a Jacksonville team that's going to have to throw the ball. Um, that's going to be down. They're going to have to throw the ball to somebody. And Marquise Lee, if you're in a PPR league, which we hope you are, those are the best leagues, Marquise Lee is somebody who can, you know, seven catches on um, on Sunday. So just... I mean, he is, he's a guy that I really like. You know, if you're hurting, you know, it's a bye week, an injury, and you need to throw somebody in your lineup, maybe your team is, is really good and you just don't want, you don't want somebody to, to get you a zero bomb or get you two or three points and really screw you. Marquise Lee is a guy who should get at least seven to 12 fantasy points every single week in Jacksonville. So I have him as the number two wide receiver pickup this week. And you say? Um... God, I don't want any part of Marquise Lee. I agree that he is number two pickup as of right now in terms of your two people that you have listed. I agree he has to be owned by someone, but he is the just the type of person I just don't want to rely on. He's a complete dirtbag player that has to get volume in order in order to be productive. Uh, grades out extremely poor, 
in in terms of the his, his wide receiver grade from PFF. And he's had a lot of snaps. I was like, I'm like, oh, he had no no targets week one. That's why he didn't catch the ball. No, no, he did. He he had over 50 snaps week one and still didn't have a target. So this past week, they're they were behind instead of winning. Which mm-hmm. again, as to your point, they're going to be in that situation a lot. He should get the targets. He will. It's just the offense is so bad, and you know that it's going to have to come later in the game when they're behind. So, you know. If, it's an absolute last resort situation for me. Yeah, and you look at their schedule. I mean, obviously, week three is going to be a somewhat somewhat tough game against Baltimore. But then they got the Jets, then Pittsburgh, then the Los Angeles Rams, and then Indianapolis. So, you know, four out of the next five weeks are very, very winnable games. But um, that, I don't well, know if that's a good thing, though. I mean, we just saw them beat up on Houston. He had over 50 snaps and had zero catches. So, Well, so let me... Let me let me say, I think, I think, I still think Jacksonville is going to be down in all those games, but I think that they'll be able. Those are not great defenses. Now in Pittsburgh, they're still playing from behind, but they're going to be throwing against a team. You know, when they're coming from behind against a team that doesn't have a great defense, at least a great secondary. The Rams, I mean, at home, who knows? I, I don't think they're going to be blowing out any of these any of these teams. I mean, let's not let's not forget they played Tom Savage week one. If they would have played Tom Deshaun Watson, I don't know that that would have been the case. In Indianapolis, now they might be up big in that game. I still think, I still like that matchup with Indy. I think the the zero catches off four targets is a little bit of an anomaly for Marquise Lee. And let's not also forget there were Allen Robinson was playing in that game. So uh, I, I, I think, still I think Allen Robinson went out in the first drive. By the way, but uh, but you know two still. 12 targets. I think that's the bottom line. Like, I don't know if you can find anyone to get 12 targets, including J.J. Nelson, on, on waivers. So this guy's getting 12 targets. I talk about volume is king, opportunity is king, and that's what this guy has. Who's next on your list? All right. Next on my list, a, a receiver that a lot of people – probably never heard of, including myself, going into Sunday. There's always that one player that comes completely out of nowhere. Oh, I think I know who this is. And it was Rashard Higgins in Cleveland. Yep. Um, literally, swear to God, did not did not know who he was. Had no idea who he was. I kept seeing his name. And, you know, I watched, like, the fantasy cast to follow my team. I kept seeing his name pop up. I'm like, who is this guy? So, now, big game on Sunday against against the Ravens. Led the Browns in wide re- out of all the wide receivers in snaps with 54. Targets 11, catches 7, yards 95. So 7 catches for 95 yards, 11 targets. <laughs> Big game. And now Corey Coleman breaks his hand. He's going to be gone for a while. Um, Kenny Britt has had a really disappointing start to the season. They expected him to come in and be the possession receiver, um, you know, the number one guy in that offense. And it just hasn't worked out. He's had a very, very, you know, subpar two games. Now, who knows with Rashard, with Rashard Higgins, and it is Cleveland, but uh, you know you, you got to at least look at that stat line in the amount of snaps that he got, and then take into account the fact that Coleman's gone for a while, and think you know it's it's not bad, it's not a bad idea to roll the dice on a guy like that, who is available on the waiver wire. Now, I have him third because he plays for Cleveland, and at least Marquise Lee and J.J. Nelson are, are known commodities. Um, but I, I wouldn't waste very, very much fab money to go and get a guy like Rashard Higgins. You know, if you have, I would say, you know, I wouldn't even go 10% of my fab budget. If your fab budget's $100, I'd, I'd be fine spending, you know, 
four or five dollars, but that's where I'd probably draw the line for Higgins. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Higgins as my number two pickup for the week, right over Lee, just because there is a little bit more of a unknown, and sometimes we want to go with the player that we do know, where Higgins might have more of that upside just because we don't know him. Now, he played zero snaps week one, so it wasn't on the radar at all. And get this stat. He had more targets in week two than he had all of last year. So he's still a young player. He's in his second season. We saw this just happen last year with multiple people, including Tyrell Williams, who had like very minimal targets, had injuries go down around him. Obviously, different quarterback, obviously different situation. But maybe I don't want to draw too many conclusions to that, but his numbers look good from this past week. He was pretty efficient, even with all those snaps. So I like him. I have him right behind J.J. Nelson, and I agree. You're not going to go crazy. I like the 4 to $5 range. Yep, so that concludes my uh, my wide receivers, um, the top three receivers. I feel like there are really only three. Um, you know, Devin Funches might be an honorable mention with, with the Greg Olson injury. You know, seven targets on Sunday. He is the, he's been the number two receiver for Carolina this season. And maybe, you know, he, he gets season an increase in targets with no Olsen. But, um, you know, I think that's in deeper leagues. I wouldn't spend – let's not spend too much time talking about De- Devin Funches. Yeah, and I just wanted to bring up, just because he is fairly low-owned, I know he's not available in any of our leagues, Seth. Um, but it does say he's only owned in 21% of ESPN leagues. So Mohamed Sanu, who I just mentioned earlier, I would I would definitely pick him up. Maybe he didn't hit your radar because he's owned in most of our leagues. But um, I think Mohamed Sanu is definitely worth a pickup as well. Yeah, I, I think the only reason I don't have Sanu on this list, and he'd, he'd be another honorable mention. Um, he, he's solid in back-to-back weeks with 10 points. He just doesn't do enough for me. and he, I've seen him enough in recent years. To, to like realize what he is um, unless there's an injury to Julio Julio Jones and Jones misses extended time I, I don't think I can feel comfortable starting Sanu as long as Julio's starting um, but it's close uh, for running backs no and um, you and now just I just want to go back to this too just in terms of like strategy sometimes you're not picking up people to necessarily start them right like you're picking them up because well you have Ty Montgomery you need Jamal Williams or you if you're in a two quarterback league you have your third quarterback and so I think you're going to have your bench where you have your, your plug-in flex players. And I think there's also some opportunity on your bench for that high upside guy. Like if Julio does go down or if, you know, it's just that kind of scenario. You're not, you're not planning on really using him. But instead of having – instead of ha- like let's say you did have to choose between Marquise Lee and Mohamed Sanu and – Marquise Lee was not going to start for you either way. So neither of these guys are starting for you. They're going to be on your bench. So I might just pick up Muhammad Sanu just knowing that his upside through injuries or something else, quarterback offense, is a lot higher. So I'll stick him on my bench instead of Marquise Lee because I know I don't have to start him this weekend. Yep, all depends on your your bench situation and and how big your rosters are. But, yeah, he's definitely a good stash play for sure. Um. For running backs, the first one, I almost I almost didn't put him on here because he's not available in any of the leagues we're in, but somehow he's only owned in 8.2% of ESPN leagues. Javorius Allen, you know, the injury to to Danny Woodhead um, has really put him in, in a role where, you know, sometimes in fantasy, quantity is just as important, if not more important than quality. 21 carries for, for Javorius Allen week one, 14 carries 
in week two. He's had more carries. He, he leaves the he leads the Ravens in carries. Um, so that alone makes him fantasy relevant. And then you add in the fact that he had five catches for thirty five yards and a touchdown on Sunday. He's gonna he's gonna catch some passes. He's gonna get you know some stuff here and there. Um, not not the sexiest option, not flashy, but he's gonna get enough work overall. I have him as the top pickup this this week. And I don't even think it's close. I think he is the clear-cut guy that you want to own. He is, he is, um, I'd say number two overall behind JJ Nelson, but it's it's so close. I think it comes down to what your need, what your need is on your team. Um, you know, if you need help at running back, Javoris Allen would be my top pickup. If you have good running back depth, like you do in a couple of our leagues, Jeff, and you need a wide receiver, then JJ Nelson would be my top pickup. Either way, Javoris Allen needs to be picked up. Yep, I agree. Um, probably between those two will come down to actual need. George Allen would need to also monitor Terrence West situation. Terrence West, I believe, left the game. Soft tissue injury issue. So if they lose another running back, uh, any position more so than others, running back with volume is very uh, related to fantasy points and scoring. So Because he's going to be touching the ball. So if Terrence West misses any time, this is a huge boost to Javorius Allen. I didn't really go out and pick him up because, you know, we've kind of seen this trick and pony show over in Baltimore and Buck Allen, but uh, here he is. He's touching the ball a crap ton, and, of course, he had a really nice plus matchup last week, so that helped, but he grades out as a significantly better pass catcher. So I think if Terrence West can get on the field, I think he's still going to be their first and second down back, limiting... Javorius is Allen's upside compared to where he was last week. But that being said, they're definitely going to be using him in the third down role, which Baltimore uses quite quite well, and they throw to their backs quite well. So he is a play no matter what. And number two, the opposite type of running back than Javorius Allen, Chris, Chris Thompson in Washington. He is the a touchdown-dependent boomer bust um, PPR back. Um only, I think, seven carries on the season or six carries on the season total for him through two games. So he's not someone that's going to carry the ball, but he has three total touchdowns on the season. He had two touchdowns on Sunday, uh, four catches week one, three catches week two. So he's going to catch passes. And this is a Washington offense that, that needs playmakers. And granted, he's been a little, obviously, very touchdown dependent through two weeks. It's hard to imagine that it's sustainable, but he's at least worth a pickup. Um, because I think he has upside um, on a team that, again, offenses struggle through two weeks. So Chris Thompson, number two pickup at the running back position. Yeah, Chris Thompson's fourth right now in terms of points per snap because of how efficient he has been. If they got him on the field more, great. But and, and there's no one that's been more of a proponent of Chris Thompson than, than me, Seth. I brought him up all time last year. Last year, he was, you know, just some random third down back in Washington I brought up, and he didn't really get the usage that I was really hoping for. He was still pretty good, but it just seems like they're really dead set on keeping him in that type of role. Big difference this year is he's had a couple really nice big plays that have resulted in touchdowns. I don't think they can keep it up. And Lissig actually gave him more carries, which didn't happen this past week. They gave it to Samaje Pirine. I think he's got to be the pivot play pickup running back there. Um, I cannot rely on someone like Chris Thompson because of how low his touches are. I'd be too scared of a zero bomb. 
Mm-hmm. That being said, you could say maybe he's got a similar stash play to my Sanu comment, you know, if if there's injuries in front of him. But uh, I, I think it's too much of a risk-reward play for me to ever keep on my team. So this one I, I'm, I'm not too too fond of. And third, we have Samaji P. Ryan, who we just talked about. Not much to like about Samaji P. Ryan other than the fact that he got 21 carries in relief of Rob Kelly once once Kelly left the game. No catches for P. Ryan. I mean, he's not going to catch passes, but anybody who has the potential to get over 20 carries in fantasy needs to be picked up. So I have Samaji P. Ryan, number three. Yeah, P. Ryan's a tr- interesting one, too, and I, don't, I know we don't have much of an update on Rob Kelly. Um, you know, I don't know how much they're just going to hand over the reins to a rookie. And he wasn't very efficient. You know, his, he didn't grade out very well. It, so, and he's not going to catch the ball, as you mentioned, Seth. So, uh, they had a nice matchup as well. And I know you, and you know, I, I, I know that you hate when I bring up, you know, these nice matchups all the time because you say that no one has any defenses in the NFL. So they should have decent matchups all the time. But I don't think they're going to be in a situation where they can continue to run the ball as much as they did, uh, because of the opposing offense that they were playing. So another tricky one, I guess. I I don't know. Sometimes I you know sometimes I overlook these running backs. I'm like, oh, he's he's not good. They they're not be able to use him, and then you know, then they then he goes off, and they do, and he gets bulk of the carries for the rest of the year. So I think that you you got to take a look at him. If you got someone that's completely worth dropping, like a Josh Doxson, which you know we own a couple of shares of, um, then obviously P Ryan is getting a lot more touches than someone like that. And that one, you have to replace the bottom of your roster with at least someone like a P Ryan. Yep. So that concludes the running backs, tight ends. First one up, Jason Witten. He only owned in 32% of ESPN leagues. Surprisingly, two monster games. We talked about him, talked about him earlier. Not much left to say about Jason Witten. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, with the injuries at tight end, Eifert might not play this week. Greg Olson's going to be out for a while. Jordan Reed is banged up. Shocking. Gronk left with an injury. An already shallow position for fantasy is getting shallower by the week. And Jason Witten has just been doing his thing through the first two weeks. So my top tight end pickup, clearly. And if you have a needed tight end, he he might be my number three pickup this week behind J.J. Nelson and Javorius Allen. I mean, if that's the only hole in your team, which sometimes I, I find my team having this issue because I draft all around the tight end and just stream. If he's if he's a scenario where you might be able to just lock and lock and load him for what you would forecast the rest of the season, he might be your number one pickup. I mean, after two monster games, you got to go after this guy aggressive to get him on your team. He's in a good offense. He gets. I mean, he's he's getting looks around the end zone, um, and he's getting high volume targets. So, yep, top pickup. Second is uh, my only other tight end here is Zach Miller. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too excited about the prospect of owning Zach Miller. But if you if you do have a needed tight end, you know, and you can't get Jason Witten, Zach Miller is a good contingency plan, good plan B, because again, he's probably the most reliable option on the Bears' offense in the passing game. You have Tariq Cohen, uh, but the Zach Miller too, who I think is as the season goes on, is going to be more consistent. Um, so I, I like Zach Miller. Don't love him, you know, low upside because Glennon's so bad, so bad. Um, and if they make the switch, um, to the rookie, then, you know, who, who knows what to expect, but I think Zach Miller has to be owned if you need help at tight end and you can't get Jason Witten. 
Yeah, I like Zach Miller. I'm. I don't know why. I've, maybe it's just because he's a Chicago player, and I always kind of like uh, some of these people. But he's not going to do anything fancy. He's going to get your ten to thirteen points. And if there's a certain week that that's all you that you just want to lock in those ten to thirteen points, he's good to go. Maybe the upside here is. You know, first of all, he he hasn't played a a ton ton of snaps. As surprising as that might sound, he's 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 pretty down there in terms of amount of total snaps compared to other tight ends in the position here, probably in the twenties. the other, The other thing is maybe Mitchell Trubisky comes in in a few weeks from now after Chicago is zero and five or something along those lines, and maybe Trubisky can get him the ball a little bit more. I don't know. It might be a stretch. You're obviously not trying to sign or pick up Zach Miller in the hopes of five weeks from now. Maybe Trubisky can get him a little bit of a pickup. Um, you definitely don't want to do that. But he should be able to lock you in an easy 10 points. Yep. And then that's that concludes the tight end portion of the waiver wire um, segment. You know, if you need, need tight ends, those are two good options that you can go out and get. Assuming they're available, obviously. Um, now, one thing that I'm going to try and do every single week is give a streaming defense for the upcoming week. And my streaming defense for week three is the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Back-to-back solid weeks for for Pittsburgh. You know, helped out a little bit by the, the by the competition, but nonetheless, I you know the Browns week one, Minnesota without Sam Bradford week two at home. But week three, they play the Bears, who, who you know, we spend so much time on this show talking about. And it's in Chicago, but I still like Pittsburgh. I mean, look at the look at the week that Tampa Bay had, the Tampa Bay defense had against Chicago. Pittsburgh can get after the quarterback. Mike Glennon, I think Mike Glennon's going to have at least two or three turnovers in this game. And that's why I like the Steelers. If they're available on the waiver wire, go grab them, put them in your lineup. Pretty good option this week. I like it. That's a good one. Nice. So Pittsburgh Steelers and yeah, Chicago is the type of offense that just bleeds sacks and turnovers. And Pittsburgh's a pretty opportunistic type of defense as well. So I think that's a good fit. So that's going to wrap up our waiver wire section to quickly recap assess pickups. We have JJ Nelson, Marquise Lee, and Rashard Higgins at wide receiver. Maybe you throw in my little honorable mention of Muhammad Sanu. Running backs, Javorius Allen, Chris Thompson, and Samaje Pirine. Tight ends, Jason Witten and Zach Miller. Streaming defense of the week, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we'll also have this on the website uh, as a new article piece. So you guys can check that out as well. We are the NFL Talking Heads, and thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Try saying that three times fast. With your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. We'll catch you next time.